0: you have an Airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
1: it's just really good to be like back doing stuff to be honest (laughs) like for so long so yeah and also I always end up like I think Kev feels the same but like well you make a record and then you like don't really know what it is and then you talk about it and it's like oh shit that, that's what it is you start to
2: figure it out a way, bit
1: yeah like honestly that's it's a weird thing to say and like obviously you have ideas of what's going on but like it is through the conversations you have often afterwards that you're like oh right yeah <laughs> that was what was going on there
2: well, i suppose because you've been doing the podcast as well where you sort of unpack the the stories behind all the individual songs How, Has that kind of changed your understanding or deepened it in any way of the of the tracks that you've spoken about there
1: yeah, like I think, like I asked, like uh, he's a really good friend of us. Our old tour manager, Danny, does that podcast. Really, like it's our podcast, but it's really more of like he's so good at that style of like I don't know interviewing and just be like it's really more like a platform for him to be like he's a legend. Like we just love that guy to bits. But uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, like he asks great questions, and it's yeah, it definitely helps us to figure out what what's going on it's funny i think you know you don't really necessarily talk about everything when you're working on it as a song you just kind of think of it musically and then afterwards you kind of think about it more like lyrically or whatever like oh shit yeah that was going on and whatever so.
2: anyway it's funny too though cuz this this album started with a question essentially where you asked yourself what's the brave thing that we could do yeah yeah after asking yourself that question and sort of figuring it out over the course of this record what do you think it means to be brave in music how would you define that
1: what i think we took that to mean or like what i think when we asked ourselves that question was to just not shy away from talking about difficult stuff but rather than talk about that stuff and be kind of shy about it i think for the first time we were like let's make let's talk about those difficult things and rather than like those songs necessarily be like you do it on one song and it's and it's like the intimate track six moment or whatever it's like do that and celebrate it, like really go for it and boldly present something that feels difficult. It felt like something that was interesting to us. And I think the songwriters at the moment that I think are just so inspiring. I don't know, like I love Phoebe Bridges records. I mean, I mean, I could rattle off too many names right now, but like, I think just for example, with her, like it's that like specific specificity of what she's talking about, that honesty she has with her own truth her own story of her life yet she's not shy about presenting it it's bold it's like and this you know standing there saying like this is who i am and hopefully for people listening to that that makes them feel less isolated you know in like a society and a world that is uh seemingly trying to do everything it can to make everyone feel as isolated as humanly possible <laughs> um so yeah under the guise of connecting people yes. <laughs> as well. Um, but yeah, I think, it's, I think that's kind of what our aim was with being you know, brave, whatever that may mean to different people. But that was how we took it.
2: That idea, you know, of the fact that it does feel, whether it be through social media or these various sort of platforms on the internet, that we're being more divided and, and separated by our opinions. Outside of music, what other things do you think can bring us together?
1: I think like, art has a really good role to play in that in that generally like i don't think it's necessarily just music i think generally it's things it's art it's sport it's things like that are really good for helping to bring people together like i think like i think podcasts have like i mean kev actually originally like my bandmate kev is obsessed with podcast he like, absolutely loves them he's like wolfing down and, and he, like we'll be talking and we be like i've been listening to this one this one this one this one. i'm like how much, how much time <laughs> he's also like he's like the busiest man in music he like does all these amazing things i'm like how does he do it but um when i i don't know like, i'm really getting more and more into podcasts as well and like the more i listen to them and the more you hear people talk transparently and like something I guess because it's long form, people drop their guard or something and just talk more openly about things that perhaps I don't know. Five questions, like I don't know, t- traditional means of conversation on within in that realm are normally somewhat contrived, and podcasts don't feel like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you're listening to a podcast that's say two or three hours long, it always feels like all the best chat to is in the second half of it like you have to sort of build to it if you know what i mean and kind of get into the zone does that mean that we're in the like ropey first half
1: (laughs) 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 yeah i know what you mean though so true like i think just like the dream is that like i'm kind of what i was saying like the dream is that it's revelatory for it for like the people in it as well as the people listening or something i don't know Maybe that's ambitious, but like that's kind of, I think that can happen. I've listened to stuff that's so been yeah
2: mind-blowing. It's interesting to think about in the, the context of making an album tour, though. You know what I was saying, what was in there about how once they sort of get into it, you can unlock something a bit deeper and people let their guard down. Yeah. Is there quite a big difference between the first half of making an album and the second half, each sort of half of that process?
1: <sighs> yeah, definitely. I think... I think, like, as you get deeper into any, like, artistic pursuit, it gets harder and harder, I think, to, like, finish things. And there's, like, the sort of dream phase of making a record, which, is, like, the first couple of weeks. then the middle phase is just hard work. And then the ending, which is, like, suddenly these things start coming to life and feeling like, holy shit, this is what people are actually going to get to listen to. And that's pretty magical. So it's kind of like this really uh, naive, magical moment, followed by this intensely, like, you're really confronting your um, skills, but also your inability to do things. And it's like really pushing yourself to like deliver something. And then at the end, it's kind of magical as well. But I'd say like relational relationship wise as well, with, within the band and with the, with you and the producer, like the depth you're going into by the end of a record is it's definitely similar to a podcast or similar to probably when you're listening to a record, the kind of depth that you go into on like a track 10 versus like a track one, which sort of opens the door and a track 10 is sort of like, not like I think of it, like you're summing up the record, but like to some extent it's a weird that you kind of want it to be something along those lines, something that encapsulates a feeling from an album
2: The other interesting thing is that there are a lot of famous albums or famous songs that have the word blue in it it's very much a word that has a lot of musical connotations whether it be johnny mitchell bob dylan miles davis when i say the word blue to you what does that sort of conjure up musically for you what does that bring to mind in terms of feeling or what you think the music would sound like
1: it it brings to mind all of that stuff like weirdly to me i think that was like that's something actually i've been like thinking about a lot since making (laughs) wish i thought about it more while making it but it was like how many songs reference it? You're right. I was like, like tangled up in blue and like blue, Joni Mitchell. Like there's so many like relationships, kind of blue, like Miles Davis. Like there's so many relationships people have with this color. That was something I, I've just become really aware of that color as well. Like, I don't know, like um, I've recently become a dad and my, and my daughter, like, you know, she's 10 months old, but she has like, neither me or my partner have blue eyes and she has blue eyes. And it's like, the odds of that are really, like it's like 6% kids with, with no parent with blue eyes have, have blue eyes. And I was like, it's just a nuts thing, but it's like little things like I just become really aware of that color being present in my life. Um, but when, yeah, what does it mean to me? I think it's tinged with a sort of nostalgic sadness or something, the color blue, but it's also something intriguing about it. I don't know, there's like a sort of... I think that the idea for the album came from this hotel that Kevin and I have both stayed at individually in Morocco called Blue Hours. And it's like a really cool hotel. And it's really beautiful. And it's in Essaouira, Morocco, which is like this amazing walled town. It's, it's beautiful. Um, but we both kind of went there just like on like a whole, like separate holidays to like, and he's like, you got to stay here. It's, it's awesome. So we did. And um, I loved it. But I more fell in love with the name Blue Hours because it just it just sounded like me. As soon as I sort of wrote that those two words down, I was like, that's that's like the name of the album. I know that already. And then I was like, right, OK, why? Like, it's like it was the same with Red Earth and Pouring Rain. It was like it's called that like now you've got to figure out, like, why? Why does that matter to you? What, what is it about that phrase that's setting you off? Um, And then it was like, I kind of sort of almost saw Blue Hours as like a a headspace that I get into when I'm working on songs. It's quite a solitary, introspective headspace where I explore stuff that I find really difficult because that's kind of what I'm drawn to when I'm drawn to writing. And so, yeah, that's kind of what Blue Hours... I guess your question is what I was asking myself once we'd established that we wanted to call the album that. It's like, right, like, why? (laughs) Why does that matter? Which seems bizarre, but it's like... It's kind of how it works for me i like find things really inspired. like often i'll i find like a title first and then i'm
2: working back from it it's one of those titles too that it feels like it could have existed forever like it feels like one of those kind of universal phrases that is just there and you've like plucked it out of the, the ether you know what i mean yeah
1: like that's the thing it's like it is a phrase like it's it's also like there's like a whole it is a time of day like a certain period before like the sun rises fully and all this stuff and like But it's not a phrase I'd heard a lot. And I just remember, I mean, it wasn't even, the hotel wasn't even called that. It was like in French. So it was was called the Blue Hour, Le Bleu, or whatever. Terrible French pronunciation. Uh, (laughs) That's now committed to a podcast. Um, So (laughs) glad. My apologies to any (laughs) people listening. But yeah, um, that was, it kind of came from that really. And then as soon as it was like, oh, Blue Hour, the Blue Hours, that felt, it just felt like a headspace I wanted to get into, but at the same time, a headspace that's difficult or something. So that was sort of something interesting in that.
2: So had you been exploring that headspace before you that title attached itself to the album? How, did you already call the headspace that before you used it in your music at all?
1: Um, No, no, like not really. I just, I think I, I think it was more like after staying there. I just, I, I just remember like I was on the bus at the end of our last tour, so like February. 21? No, 20? I can't remember now. God, the years. Um, <laughs> 20 probably? I can't remember. Um, but yeah, it was the last tour we did before like lockdowns hit and stuff. And I remember saying to Kev, like, I was thinking Blue Hours like, as a title, and, and I I already kind of knew that it was... I was always drawn to writing songs like late at night. I don't know why. I think it's like a, a habit from being always living in flats with people and being too self-conscious to write a song and anyone hear you so it'd always be late at night when no one hopefully i could just play quietly and no one would hear sneaking me around yeah sneaking around <laughs> like, you know arguably that's the most annoying time you could possibly play music if you have flatmates. but for me that was when i wanted to do it i don't know because of that there are so many songs like i've written on laptops with just headphones because you're just trying not to wake anyone else up or whatever but i don't know i'm just drawn to writing in those and then i think almost like checking into a hotel as like a way of talking about when you're going to write songs late at night or whatever something about that just felt interesting to me um and kev too like i remember telling him that and he was just like i'm in like fuck yeah blue hour sounds great like let's go for it and i think because he'd stayed at that hotel like i think he could bring his own like vision of what that record meant what this record could mean to him like that's the magic like the interesting thing is obviously kevin and i are so sort of going through such different things in our lives all the time, often really similar as well. I mean, we both become dads during the pandemic, which is kind of bananas. He brings a whole wealth of different influences and different inspirations to every album we make, and as and I do too. And and that's kind of where the magic is, I think, between our kind of collaborative efforts.
2: How has fatherhood impacted your music or the way that you sort of view music and the way that it sits in your brain and in the context of your life? Um, I feel like
1: musically the main way it's impacted me so far is that i have like all like kid classic songs like head shoulders knees and toes is like on constant rotation in my brain
2: great melodies <laughs> yeah, i mean
1: <laughs> these are hits i'm telling you like um honestly it's it's been amazing like it's a constant source of inspiration and just she's i, I, I don't know being a dad has been incredible like genuinely amazing it's definitely like it's changed quite a lot in terms of like, I think before writing used to be something that I would take more time over and think about like perhaps more than I'm able to now. But I think that's kind of a good thing. Like I think actually I was probably guilty of spending too long on this stuff. And actually like it's, I think having a kid just adds focus to your life in a way that only having a kid can adds focus, responsibility and exhaustion and joy and love in all of that stuff in ways that you could never predict. And it's incredible. Like it's it's changed it's changed everything and nothing simultaneously and it's mad. <laughs> but yeah.
2: <laughs> I always think it's it's one of these crazy things. I guess you're sort of at the beginning of it. Did you say ten months? Ten months yeah. ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the idea that, you know, as we get older, time starts to speed up and it feels like it's moving quicker. So, for you, it moves at an incredible rate. But for them, because at the beginning of their lives, it's still moving at this sort of slow, stretched out uh, speed. Yeah. Yeah, man. It is crazy. Like, it is mad. Like, I don't know.
1: It's like, we had this thing recently, oh, God, it's not it's like, she's just started crawling and stuff. And you're like, for ages, we're like trying to get her to crawl. And then as soon as she starts crawling, you're like, oh my God, please stop crawling everywhere. <laughs> but you're like, it's just mad. Like it seems, the stuff seems to take, you know, a while, but then dozen. And I don't know, like, if yeah, my whole concept around time is changing and becoming, as you said, like, I just don't have the time I used to have. And, but that's, I think, i kind of don't think it's a bad thing i'm like it's harder she's not you know i haven't really like talked about it too much really like i guess amongst friends i have but it's just yeah like i i think but it really changes it's changed so much for me and i'm just it's in a weird way made me appreciate music so much more as well like i i get to listen to you know I put on the beatles loads and i go back i'm going back to like a really kind of like simple like, not only the Beatles made simple music, but I'm kind of going back to, like, what are the first things I want Ava to hear? That's what name, name, sorry. Like, um, what are the first things I want her to hear? It's nice to listen to that music again. Like, the stuff that perhaps my parents first played me,
2: those sorts of things. I guess with the Beatles as well, you've got all that sort of yellow submarine and the stuff that feels like this proto-wiggles.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, all the Ringo stuff is getting... Like, <attention>.
2: When you when you first introduced this album into the world, you did it with "All That You Are." That was the first single that you brought out, and yet the first song on the album is "New Ways." How do you feel each of those tracks compare as an introduction to this album?
1: Interesting. "New Ways" was one of the first things I wrote during the pandemic. "All That You Are" is one of the oldest songs on the. It's the oldest song on the record. Like we last toured, we last played that song live like ten years ago, when we were playing an Austin to Boston tour. And that was when we were traveling across America in VW camper vans with, it was amazing. It was with like uh, Nathaniel Rateliff, Ben Howard, the Staves. but it was like, it was just so much fun. Like, I don't know all the people on that. There was like all the bands. And then there was all the people from communion. Like, obviously I'm in a band with Kev, but Ben was there too. It was just really fun. Marcus Haney was an incredible filmmaker, made a film of it.
2: What's the film called? The
1: film's called Austin to Boston. And and it's I think it's, I think it's on Amazon now. I'm not sure. I remember someone saying that they've like recently re put it up somewhere, but it's, it was so much fun. And that was our like introduction to touring America, which set the bar perhaps too high um, for how fun that could be. Um, but like, yeah, just, that was the first, so that song has been around for a really long time, but we just have never really known what records put it on or how to make it work on an album. And I think for some reason, just between what was going on in like our lives, for some reason, All That You Are just kept creeping up as a song that felt right. And we played it to Ian, who produced the album, and he was just like, well, 100 percent, that's like the first songs that I definitely want on the album. And it was weird for us because I think we're often very like dismissive of songs from the past that are like, nah, nah, if it wasn't good enough for that album, it's not good enough for this one. But I think it's also important to recognize that it's not always that a song isn't good enough. It's that the context for that song isn't quite right. But it's funny that you should say that there's something similar between them, because uh, I don't think all the that you are would make it on the album. if new ways wasn't on the album because musically, there's some similar stuff going on, uh, quarterly. Um, but weirdly, like I feel like, if you just had one song doing that would feel a bit strange or a bit like you've opened up to a world that you never quite deliver on something weird. I don't even actually know what it is. Kevin probably (laughs) knows, but it's just to do with how the, how the chords are structured. I've written it, but I have no idea what I'm doing, but it's it's like if you uh, put
2: a gun in the first act of the movie, you need it to go off in the third act. You know what I mean? It's that principle basically. Yeah, it's exactly that. So
1: (laughs) yeah. So I think, but new ways was also like, I guess new ways was about like sort of about the pandemic. Really, it was like fuck. Like we're going to need to really like have a really like new approach to everything. Everything's changing. Like kind of like who am I without without all these things that sort of define me? I guess like who am I without live music? Who am I without making records and all that stuff? Difficult questions to answer for musicians who spend their lives like if you're anything like me, perhaps in a state of permanent uh, avoidance of that sort of those sorts of questions and or like not even necessarily intentionally you're just on a tour bus traveling around the world all the time probably not dealing with stuff and that was a difficult that song kind of came from that so i guess it's weird that that song that first song is like that whole world and then all that you are is this really old song but they're somehow connected for us so yeah weird one
2: That sort of, uh, that existential edge, you know, of of thinking who am I without live music? Who am I without this touring and this and this defined my life for the last 10 years? Where do you see that most on this album? Where do you feel like you're exploring that most? Or where do you see it creeping into the edges of the feeling of it perhaps? I think like the
1: shadows and spiders side of things definitely like is exploring that kind of like dealing with perhaps your own mental health, but also the mental health of those closest to you and this would impact of really caring for someone who's really struggling with their mental health and then also personally just struggling with your own mental health. Uh, I think that felt like an important realization for me to talk about that quite explicitly, um, which I hadn't really done before. Um, I think I've always been more of a like, it's the thing they say with writing, it's like show, don't tell or something. It's like the idea with writing stuff and I'm a big believer in that but I think there's also like, for me, it was a little bit like, perhaps on this record, it was a little bit more like actually just saying that, you know, the chorus of shadows, for example, just felt like I found, I found it quite empowering to say something difficult and hopefully in the context of performing live, be able to like add catharsis to it or something. Or like performing live would give it a sense of catharsis that perhaps on its own it feels quite bleak or to talk about things that are just difficult, but bravely I guess again going back to that first thing but yeah I think I think I guess going back to the other theory of like the second half of podcasts when things really get more mm-hmm. deep, I think it is kind of true like I think when you once you get all that you are I think after that it sort of morphs into a slightly different record that's a bit more I don't know somber and reflective maybe in the beginning is a bit more like high energy um or something yeah.
2: How did uh, Sally's string arrangements that you brought in on that one contribute to that atmosphere, do you think?
1: She's just, like, she's just like it it was insane working with her. Um she's just incredible. Like she adds like an air of serious musical legitimacy to her songs that <laughs> perhaps don't have it without her, but she's incredible. Like um Ian, who produced our album, knows her really well. They've worked on stuff for years, so it was a really amazing moment for us to hear her arrangements and she came in and there's a quartet they do it and they just perform it and it's pretty much like a couple takes as a quartet and they smash it out and it's just the best thing it's the best day of recording i've ever had is just sitting there while this quartet play the most beautiful string arrangements ever perfectly every single time and it's really just a question of Ian like changing the levels on one or two of the microphones that are out, but their performance is like perfect. And for us, for me, you know, just getting me to do an acoustic guitar take takes about like, you know, three days <laughs> <laughs> So like, to see them doing like, uh, it was just, it was really beautiful. Um, and yeah, she's just, she adds a whole, I don't know, really like she really got inside what all the songs with strings on it wanted. Um, And like, I had some sort of really dodgy string arrangements from Logic that I sent and I was like, please don't judge me. But she was also just kind of like, I get what you're trying to do. And she just took it all to like a level that was so far beyond what either Kev or I could have imagined. So, yeah. She's a legend.
2: That uh, that track shadows too. You know, it was written from the perspective of someone else.
1: Um, Yeah. So shadows is written from it's from the perspective of someone who's close to someone struggling with depression. I suppose. Yeah. It's funny. It doesn't. In my mind, I'm not sure if there's a specific relationship that I'm I'm thinking of. The more I've thought about it since, the more I've gone like, I was definitely exploring my own personal mental health on songs like spiders. But then I think shadows was like a little bit alluding to like growing up my my mum was quite suffered from depression when i was younger and i don't think she ever really got it sort of diagnosed or or anything but she did instead of so my dad actually um and i think i spent a lot of my like childhood trying to cheer them up and stuff and just being around people that were struggling and i think and even as i get older i've definitely had friends who struggled with mental health as well and i think being a friend of someone struggling is often you know is very difficult as well and i think i just wanted to write a song about that you know i didn't want to wanted to write about that experience from my perspective um in the hope that anyone who's going through that with a friend of theirs is sort of you know doesn't feel quite so alone with it as well because it can be really lonely when you really care about someone who can't see any reason to care about themselves that's really difficult to sort of process. Uh, so it's really important to like talk basically. And as a songwriter, I guess it's my job to like not shy away from that stuff, perhaps. Don't know.
2: It's like that line you have, I think, is it Inspiders where you talk about wanting someone to to know the person that you once knew? Yeah. This idea yeah. of you know, depression, I mean, this all consuming thing and, and running it back to where someone once was.
1: Yeah, that's it for me, I think. That's so much of like, I think that's quite a okay, fair Maybe it's a sim- slightly nostalgic thing as well to like remember people in a way and then when they're not that way it feels really difficult but yeah i think that's a lot of what that I, you know it's funny like, i was actually listening the staves record came out during the pandemic and i remember thinking it was fucking like insanely good like i think those girls are just like like well they are like the coolest and funniest like group of people in the world but they're also just uh, like ridiculously talented and and ridiculously good songwriters. And like, I think there's this one song where I think Millie may have written the words, I'm not sure, but she says like, I used to be magic. It was like one of the lyrics. And I was like, that's such a good line. I could really relate to it. And I think in my head, I was like, when I was working on Shadows, there's a line that's like, I still remember all your magic, even if you don't. And I think that to me was like, I wouldn't have written that line if she hadn't written that line and but it's not like you know just like i remember just being really inspired by it and thinking it was so cool and i I could relate to the feeling of that lyric so well and it kind of inspired me to write that lyric but but it's kind of going back to what you're saying that like that person that someone once was clinging on to that
2: it's such a huge thing as well to try and condense down into a a three-minute song or any piece of art really to be honest.
1: Yeah. Like, I don't know. That's the thing. Like I, that's the thing, perhaps why I find it easy. Like podcasts and things help you realize what you're even trying to do is because it's such a mess of emotions and feelings when you're writing it, that you're trying to distill it into something considered, but it's like, even when you do that, it's like, it's still, you're not really fully sure until you kind of talk about it. And then you like have to look at it in different ways and stuff.
2: I watched the I watched Melancholia the other day. Have you ever seen that, the film? No, it's a great film about depression. It takes place on the day or a couple of days before the world ends, where this massive planet called Melancholia is going to collide with the world, and it focuses on this like intimate story, at a wedding where the bride is suffering from depression, and as the war as the planet gets closer and closer to colliding with Earth, she almost gets more relaxed and complacent with the fate whereas everyone else around her is sort of panicking and, and stressing out about the the fact that the world's going to end but wow yeah that's nice pretty, pretty great stuff
1: that's amazing that reminds me a little bit of like i remember reading an article with robin pecknell from sweet foxes i think was saying like during the pandemic in a weird way his anxiety got better like or like and i think that is true for some people who are struggling with like particularly anxiety that I think is brought on by like a lot of social interaction. I think like in a weird way, like not having to go out and feel like they need to be places all the time and be around people all the time, like help people go like
2: social pressures removed.
1: Yeah. Like, and I think they exist, you know, I think, and I think hopefully like, I think hopefully we will have like a deeper, like understanding and and empathy for that. But like, I think definitely some people, that's really hard. And I think it was really interesting to hear him say like, actually like creatively for him, it was like, for me, I found creatively quite difficult when the pandemic hit. Cause I was just like, oh, like I I think in a way I've always dreamed of having more time to write songs, but actually when the world stops, it's like, like, no, this isn't inspiring at all. You need like tap out of a world that's still moving is quite inspiring. But if the world stops, it's like, that's nothing there. But I think for other people, it was like, actually, oh, like I can really exhale now and feel like, like almost like, I can slow down time and life a little bit and that's helping or helpful to them. I don't know.
2: That's just this idea of time being very distorted.
1: Yeah. Time man. Right back. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, they have like that yeah, concept of time I feel bizarre right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, uh, it's funny you were saying about how, you know, the staves inspired that lyric cause on, is it gratitude as well? Was it was inspired by the, is it catalog of unabashed? Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah um i was just like i got obsessed with that book like I, it's yeah like i don't know something about like that song in particular it's just like i mean the, there's something about that it's like a book of poems it's matt it's just ridiculously amazing but the writer ross gay i think is his name he's, he's literally amazing but yeah like the way he like frames difficult stuff in that book is just it's, it's really magical to me and it really helps me with like stuff i was finding difficult i don't know just being thankful for difficult stuff in your life because it's difficult because you care about them like that is like a fundamental thing it's like this sucks because you give enough of a shit about it for it to suck like that's a good thing that you care about stuff like that and the alternative is you don't give a shit about anything, and you don't care about anything, and that's way worse. And I think, yeah, in in that book of poems, he's like, which I'm not like someone like sitting around reading poetry all the time. I actually don't really remember how I came across it, but I absolutely just I loved it. Like in a way that I don't normally love contemporary poems and stuff. I don't know. It's rare for me to really fall hard for that stuff, but that that book is amazing.
2: What were, your, what were your intentions with that song? Were you trying to write something that had a similar feel to it? Or were you just trying to bounce off some of the ideas in the book? Or
1: I was trying to, I think the, the first line, but like, it, like it's a form of gratitude. Like the idea that I was finding it really hard to write stuff. And I think often, like, often when you find it hard to write something, when you find it hard to like, text someone or you find it hard to like do anything or communicate it's because there's so much you want to say and there's so many difficult things there that you don't know how to say them or do them but that again it kind of comes back to like well why like and I think that was where I was coming from and it was like for me it was like going it's like it's a form of gratitude that when I think of you or when I try and write anything all of that stuff feels really difficult because Care so much about you. And I think that was sort of like, it was like an admission of like good, it was an admission of all the really good feelings beneath a lot of really difficult feelings. Um, and I think that was kind of interesting to me. Um, this is a concept, and it kind of all came from his book, really. So, yeah, I think from then on, it kind of becomes a story about trying to cling on, we're <sighs> going back to it, trying to cling on to someone who someone once was, but like going, um, Trying to find a memory of someone that stays kind was it's like the lyric from that song, that I think is the most um I guess the point of the song, but I'm trying to find a memory of someone where they where it made sense before it got difficult and before it got too difficult to like make it work or whatever. Um I think exploring that to me was yeah, that guy's book basically did that. Really made it just kind of opened the door for like a whole like, oh you these are like perhaps some of the feelings you're experiencing. And that's kind of, I don't know. It's like, I feel like most of the time when I'm working on songs, I feel like I'm in conversation with other things. So like whether that's a lyric by the staves or a poem by this guy or a film I've seen recently, it's like, I kind of keep what I always like all of these things just give you permission to feel things and understand yourself a bit better. And I think if, um, if I can be part of that conversation and just keep offering other ways of talking about stuff or channels like to open up for other people as well, that's, that's like the dream. Like, I don't know if I'm successful in that, but it's like, if, if there's any chance that I can do that, that's what I'm trying to do.
2: I guess that's kind of all our culture though, isn't it? It's just people riffing off of each other's influences and ideas and kind of creating something new from a a different, Collection of them.
1: Absolutely, that's like it's, and that's a hundred percent like what I'm doing all the time. Like it's, it's, but it's nuts, isn't it? Like I kind of didn't really think about the staves thing, and then I heard it, and I was like, oh my god, it's totally where I've nicked that sort of idea from. Has come from that, like. But yeah, bizarre. It's bizarre. It's bizarre how it works. You know, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting to me. I love all that stuff.
2: We get a name check for Bears Dem. And that one as well, gratitude. Yeah, you use the words down in the song. Yeah, was, is that the first time you've used the words "Spursden" yeah. song? I was trying to think. Yeah. It is.
1: Yeah, I've never like. It sort of it, it talks about like a story, like that. Like uh, that's bearsden is like the town next to where my grandparents lived, and uh, they lived in, like, in Mill, Glasgow. Glasgow Mill yeah. is where my grandparents used to live. <laughs> They used to live in a place called Balderna, which is like a farm. They, they ran a farm basically there. And my mum grew up there and my uncle still lives there, actually. Um, so I, Glasgow, like both of my parents are from Glasgow. So I, I'm like, like Scotland, you know, I, I've got a lot of love and a lot of time. Um, so, yeah, um, I spent a lot of my childhood in Scotland as well. Like every holiday was just like going up to see my grandparents in various different places in Scotland. So yeah, I, but I think there's these caves in Bears Den, basically that my mom used to like, take us to when we were really little and they're like really amazing. But I like, and she always used to like, you know, I remember like chatting to her, she'd always light up but she talked about them. And I think that song is kind of all about that sort of memory as a kid. And then trying to cling on to those memories when that actual relationship becomes much more difficult down the line. Um, but I think on some fundamental level, it's just like being nostalgic for being a kid um as well but yeah like that is a name check for bears Den, and i guess like know, i didn't really realize it when i was writing beginning know, choosing the band name i was just i was working in this barn that my uncle let me stay at this like derelict barn i was staying in pretty much um that was around in, in mill guy and i came back from it with like five songs and was like oh i think we should start a band and we should be called bears Den." and didn't really think of why or how. And I was, like, it was probably because the town next door to where I was writing all these songs was called Bear's Den. And then like now it was like, um, and then I'm kind of, as I do it for longer, it's like, I don't know, that that story kind of came back to me as well. I
2: don't know. Very it almost very- becomes like, in the way that we were talking about riffing off of other artists, you're almost then riffing off yourself and riffing off your own past.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think there's like, I think that's something that's, yeah, a bit, a bit of a different one like a bit of a um yeah being self-referential or whatever is a bit of a, a strange thing but like feels like weird to do that in music for some reason but like there's another song on the album i feel like it's a bit like that oh yeah there's a song we had ages ago called stubborn beast and it's not like a massive thing but there's like there's a lyric in the album it's like what's one more burden on the back of this beast and i was like that's related somehow to that song <laughs> I don't know, like, and it just felt, I guess I kind of like that uh, for fans, I suppose, as well. I like the idea that the more you invest in like a band or whatever, the more, I don't know, you can tap into this. With, I'm obsessed with bands, but there's almost like a mythology around them. And like, I like that stuff. And the more you invest in the lyrics, the more you invest in stuff, the more you get out of it. I guess.
2: Yeah, it comes back to what we're saying about music, bringing people together. It's the idea of community that once you pick up on these little things, then you speak to other people who have picked up on them too. And it's the sense of togetherness.
1: That's it, man. That is a hundred percent it. And like, and that, yeah, fundamentally, if anything we can do that helps that sort of thing, is just, that's oh, the best, most rewarding thing in the world.
2: There was a quote from you. I picked up on an interview, but it was like 10 years ago or something, but you spoke about the fact that you felt like Bears Down was a, a live band. Yeah. First and foremost. Is that still the case now, do you think?
1: Good, quite a good, yeah, interesting. Like, I think, yes, yes. And I think we've missed it so much. And I think playing live is a massive part of what we do. I think also, like, I think it's a lot of different things. Like, I think I'm learning that now more and more. I think I'm starting to, like, see the separate parts of the band more clearly, perhaps because of... Because of the pandemic, like the sort of writing phase, the recording phase and the touring phase feel like perhaps for so long, it's all felt like one thing. But I think it's kind of become more like separate entities and like I think Kevin, and I both like learning more and more about recording the more we make albums, which is really exciting. Um, And then also on another level, it's like the writing, I feel like I'm going deeper into that, which feels really exciting too. But yeah, fundamentally, I do see us as a live band. And like, we've actually got our first rehearsals on Friday of this week coming up um, for the new album. And I'm like, I can't even imagine actually just being in a room as like a six, like with the sessions and with like the crew and everyone just like actually working through this stuff. I can't imagine it. So like, yeah, just so excited. And to play to a room of people, like... (laughs) Yeah, I, can't, I haven't even got that far. I'm too excited about just like playing a guitar next to like five other people, let alone to people who are listening. So yeah, buzzing.
2: What was the most cathartic moment you had making this record?
1: When you make albums, like you're not sure which ones are going to work, like which songs are going to work and which ones aren't. And I think with Ian, he was really good at whittling down what's going to work and what's not. At one point, we were only going to do eight songs, and then. But we wanted like we weren't sure whether it was like a mini album or an album and then all the wrong places was like not gonna make it and then it did and i'm really glad it did and i think there's a real catharsis to that moment there's also like a bridge section which was originally just strings and then like right at the last minute i like wrote some words sung them at home and sent them over to Ian. And they made it. And it was just like, I think that was probably the most cathartic moment because I knew it was the last track and it was just this hole in the song for like the whole time. And finishing that felt like, yeah, now this album's done. I don't know. It's too many, there's too many cathartic moments, really. But that was one of them for me. It's been a pleasure again, man. Dude, thanks so much for having me. Like, yeah, always interesting. Uh, again, probably yeah, love my chat. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like I know stuff I didn't know about the record before. But, <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate it.